again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. As always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings, whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall. What better way to cap off your day than with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue? But we do ask that you drink our premium beer responsibly and let's get right to the show this is episode 199 and i believe that our guest has probably been on at least 30 of them uh it is the uh head coach of the grand rapids griffins formerly of the toledo walleye and i know i know people out there say you always call him mr toledo hockey and i will still call him that but of course it is dan watson and dan uh, thanks for joining us i uh, really appreciate it Oh, thanks for having me on once again. It's nice to nice for you to be able to say head coach of the Griffins this time, not the Wallace. This might be the first. This is the first episode with that title. Right, it is. I know when when you received the job, I talked to you and I was I, I said, Dan, let's do it. And you had some family things. You said call me next week, and I never did because I figured, look, give him a summer just to enjoy it until a buffoon like you starts bugging him constantly. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, I do appreciate it. I I always enjoy your company, and uh, you know I, I guess. Let me publicly congratulate you on, on, on the Griffins job. And uh, before we get into the prospects tournament where you were the head coach, it, uh, we're doing this on Monday, the 18th of September. Uh, the prospects tournament ended yesterday. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, I think you're destined for the NHL. And I'm just not saying it because you keep agreeing to do this podcast with me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but a, 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 as a coach in the NHL, but how difficult was it for you to leave Toledo where you did, by all accounts, a sensational, a remarkable job. I think it's hard only because I've been there for so long. It was 14 years of my life, plus playing there too. So it was really a long, long time. When you start to build relationships, you start to build the friendships there uh, in a city that you, you come to love. You know, it is tough to leave because it's something new. It's something different. But... You know, when you look at it, Grand Rapids is certainly, uh, you know, a prof- high-profile job that I circled to be, if, if that job ever became available, regardless of the situation where I'm at in my life, I, I want to really go for it. Um, and so, obviously, you know, the, the bad news of the coaching staff being let go, it was an opportunity to, to get my name out there. So it was one of those where I went all in and, and did the best I could throughout the interview process and was hired. You know, I, I know if any NHL team comes knocking on your door, you're definitely going to listen. But you're actually been part of the Red Wing organization. Has that made maybe the transition a little bit easier for you? I think so. Just knowing uh, the people I'll be working with made it comfortable for sure. Knowing Sean Horkoff for the, the numerous years that I have now in different roles and capacities. Some of the players certainly that will be on the roster I've coached already um the staff you know having dog there and knowing him for the last little while and then the detroit staff too you know being able to know them for the last couple of years and obviously Derek alone being able to work with them it made it very comfortable and and hopefully an easy transition you know i'm saying this more for the walleye fan but the relationship between grand rapids and toledo is in a way similar to grand rapids and detroit I mean, you're going to have your finger on the pulse a little bit for the walleye because on occasion you either send players there or they'll send players up to you. You know, you're right. And I think, you know, even before, once I got hired with Grand Rapids, I was still doing some work for Toledo. Um, I want them to have success. I don't want any steps backwards there. I want them to have good players and options for us when we need them. 
uh, you know, I'm going to be loyal to them in terms of call-ups and helping them continue to build their program. So I'm excited uh, for the new beginnings there for Pat Mickish and his staff and what he's looking to do, and, and hopefully they can turn that corner and win a championship. You know, when Toledo wins the Kelly Cup, finally wins it, will you be in the parade? Because you should be, whether, whether you're – Grand Rapids coach or not? My hopes is I'm still coaching the American League team in the finals for them, too. That's my hope. With that said, if we're not, yes, I will certainly be in attendance 100%. I, I think you should you should be the Grand Marshal if, if such a thing exists in a celebratory parade. Uh, as long as you guys don't get as wild as the, uh, as the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So. Yeah, no. I You know what, though? If and when, and I, I really think Toledo is knocking on the door for that, that city is going to go crazy, and, and deservedly so. And so I, I would expect to be there in attendance and, uh, and party pretty crazy just like they would. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, Toledo's a really good sports town, too. You know, I, enjoy, I always enjoy going there, and I can almost see why the state of Michigan almost went to war with Ohio for, <laughs> for Toledo. But the UP was a good trade-off, I think. But uh, both wonderful places, by the way. So uh, let's move on. Uh, uh, what, what was this offseason like for you? Do, you know, because you are kind of familiar with the organization. You're familiar with some of the roster. Uh, were you allowed to maybe cool out a little bit? Not relax so much. You never relax when you're in professional sports. Right. I know that. But were, you know, was it a little bit different offseason for you? Uh, because in Toledo, you're constantly, I think, trying to get players. Yeah, one thing, my phone was certainly quiet. You know, <laughs> agents and players uh, calling, that that ended. And so my phone rang as, oh, it's important. I better answer this one. But um, to be honest with you, with the new staff in Grand Rapids, uh, you know, trying to get to know them virtually as we're in all parts of North America, um, also just getting to know and familiarize myself with the players. And whether it was through video, I, I talked to them all on the phone, um, just trying to start to build those relationships as early as I possibly can so they understand who I am, what I'm about, and what the expectations are once we hit, uh, once we hit the ice in October in Grand Rapids. You know, Grand Rapids, uh, a perennial powerhouse in the AHL. You know, they, 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 they've won some Calder Cups and, uh, you know, championships. And, uh, you know, some of the players you've coached have been on those championship teams as well. Uh, uh, last year... Last couple of years, kind of a transition for, for the franchise. Uh, uh, people left, people accepted jobs. Verbeek was the GM there for a while, and then Ryan Martin before him. Uh, what, uh, what needs to be done to get the Griffins back to where everyone expects them to be? For me, and, and looking at the last few years, and being a part of it too, being in Toledo, I kind of knew the behind the scenes what was happening. I think stability with Sean Horkoff now as the GM, Dan Cleary in his development role, Dwayne Blaze is skating. There's going to be now stability there. And I also think just getting back to having these young guys know and feel what it's like to be a Red Wing and what it's like to be a Griffin. And we want to get back to, you know, and I want to say the olden days, the Red Wings, but the glory days and how it feels and how passionate they were to wear the jersey. I think that's been lost uh, the last couple of years, and, and it's no fault of anybody's. Just It just happened. And so I think that's my goal is to, to really get these young kids to really understand what it's like and, and how it's going to be to wear the wing wheel. Yeah, I certainly uh, – um, you know, people always ask me because – 
he's so iconic in Detroit. They all think that, you know, Steve has his pulse on everything, that he's, he's everywhere. Do you get much contact with him? I know maybe not a little bit less maybe in Toledo, but with Cosa there last year, I'm pretty sure he was kept his eye on that situation. But I, I just kind of, you know, how active can a NHL GM be when he's looking at, you know, at all the affiliates? Well, I think he'll be a little more active now with me being Grand Rapids, but there's certainly checkups with Kosa, whether it was him, him or Sean Horkoff through Steve. But, uh, you know, Steve and I, as of now, a great relationship. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about different players and people, and through the whole interview process, he was involved in everything. So I'm looking forward to continuing and to build that relationship and, and hear his thoughts. He's a smart guy. I know he's going to have his pulse on it, but um, a lot of the messaging at Grand Rapids because we do have a GM will come through Sean. Yeah, well, no one gets along better with Steve than me, so if you need some pointers, <laughs> let, let me know. That's tell him good I to said, know. Yeah, That's yeah, good to know. Yeah, tell him I said that. <laughs> That'll be great. It'll be the last time he's ever talked to me. It'll be uh, after you say that. But uh, uh, well, let's get to the, uh, the Prospects Tournament. Uh, obviously... Uh, you know, the, the Red Wings, there were only three games, only four teams up here this year, Columbus, Dallas, and Toronto. Uh, the Red Wing prospects did not win a game, although they were highly entertaining and there was some, uh, you know, it was everything. It was hockey for sure. Yeah, it you know, you, was. You, you, saw, you saw everything happen on the ice. Going into this, I know that the Red Wings have always stressed, this is, you're not going to win or lose your NHL career or your hockey career uh, in the prospects tournament yet you could tell as the team was not succeeding on the ice everyone was kind of pressing a little bit everybody wanted to show you how difficult is that for a coach's job where you want them to compete and obviously win I understand that but to try to let them know it this isn't the end of the world fellas no and that was kind of the message after game three it was like uh, this was a four-day event uh, a lot was crammed into their brains in four days and uh, we want to see how much they retained uh, in for information. And we hope that the four days is going to kickstart them for main camp because that's when they really need to show exactly who they are, what they are. Um, but for a lot of these kids, it was an opportunity to give a first impression. It was an opportunity for guys who have been in the tournament before uh, to see the growth in their game. And that's really, you know, the post game. What we talked about was individuals. It wasn't so much the team game or systems or anything. It was, it was how individuals performed and have they grown, have they developed, uh, what's the next step, what's the next process for them for main camp. So I really enjoyed that part of it versus our forecheck wasn't good enough, our D-zone coverage wasn't good enough. We'll get into that when we get to Grand Rapids, but for the tournament itself, it was just a showcase uh, for individuals. You know, I know you were asked this question repeatedly after each game, but – uh, in the back of your mind, are you looking at guys, even though they all want to be Red Wings, I understand yep. that, but that this guy will be ticketed to Grand Rapids. So are you tinkering with line combinations or defensive pairings just to see how they work? And, hey, what better way to get the chemistry going than as early as possible? No, you're right. And I think we'll see that during main camp, some of the line combinations that we saw or some of the skill sets that these individuals have that, that will work well with another individual. And, you know, as a staff, after each game, we kind of assess where guys were at and, and what we think they could bring to the table. So as a coach, you're always thinking like that um, and moving guys around the lineup, too, to see if they have success with somebody else. So, uh, yeah, that's a big part of our job, a uh, big part of my job and our staff. And, and uh, something we look forward to this week and through exhibition games is to see who might mesh with another guy. When 
looking about, what is your overall assessment? What was the experience like for you? Because you've been to training camps before. I mean, I know that. You, you know, the Toledo staff was always here. The Red Wings, uh, one good thing, and we've talked about this many, many times, that uh, you know, people look at, you know, the Red Wings don't treat the ECHL affiliate like it's some you know some stepchild under the stairs or something I mean it's it's definitely part of the organization and you fellas were integrated into the organization so I've seen you up here in Traverse City for years now uh, but what was that the experience like for you to be the coach now of the prospects team and to how do you think it went for you yeah, it was good I mean I think obviously there's going to be some some learning and growing throughout this process but just to get our staff together uh to be able to work with with video and the processes that's going to come after a game for us how we deliver messages i think that was all new for everybody and i really enjoyed that part of it i really did and then just coaching these young kids you can see the difference in levels and and what the young guys need to work on what the guys who've already played pro hockey what their next development path is so to see that firsthand and up close it was great it was a great experience yes the results were not there not even close to what we want as results but um the guys that that showed how much information they retained i was really proud of them for that the way they came back in games, the way we started games, and we had the lead in every game. So just they were prepared and focused to start those games. So I think I was proud of that, and just it was a great learning experience, something I'll be able to build off of moving into our, our regular season. I don't want to put words in your mouth, certainly, but uh, what was your overall then assessment of the, of the Red Wing prospects as a team, as a group? What did you like, or what do you think they might need to work on? Well, I think everyone could see whoever was watching the game. Like puck management was a big thing, and I know Derek's going to be talking about that in, in his presentation as well, even with the big club. Uh, that's such a big part of the game, and we did not do a good enough job in taking care of the puck in certain situations. It, that was certainly our Achilles. Um, but other than that, like I, I loved our compete. I, I thought guys worked extremely hard. They were finishing checks. Uh, they played with they played with emotion, which showed the guys cared. You know, obviously Marco Casper gets in a fight, uh, pun it with some big hits, getting in a fight. So I like some of that spark that was there, and and obviously I really liked Elmer Soderblom the way he played in all three games. It's his third time in this tournament, so he just showed that he's ready to take that next step as a leader, and and also cares about where his his uh, development path is. So. Um, the guys we expected to play good, I thought they played well. And they're, you know, some of the young guys are, is a first taste of this type of competition. I told Elmer after the game, the Dallas game, the first one, where he was, you know, the, I hate the expression, but I'm, I constantly use it anyway, uh, a man among boys. You know, his hand-eye coordination for a man his size is extraordinary. It's better than Michael Rasmussen's, and I'm obsessed with Michael Rasmussen's <laughs> uh, net front presence. So, uh, so you can tell how good uh, impressive Elmer is. I told him, I said, I thought you were making a statement, and I did say this on the live stream to Bob Kayser, too, the fine play-by-play -play voice of the Griffins. I said... You know, nothing against Grand Rapids or anything, but this guy wants to be a Red Wing, and he's that's what he's showing tonight. I mean, he's showing I belong in Detroit. Uh, I, I, you know, he kind of smiled, and he's not going to say, well, yeah, I mean, that you Captain Obvious, of course. But did you see that, too, that he's really kind of almost on a mission, and maybe it's because this was his third time at this uh, t tournament? Yeah, I think so. I think the motivation's there. He got the taste of it last year at the start of the year, was sent down to Grand Rapids to continue developing, and I just, 
for me, like when I saw Elmer at practice, it was this, this guy's ready to go. He's dialed in. He wants to play. You know, last year didn't end up exactly the way he wanted it to, and he's ready to take on uh, that next step, that next jump in his journey. Um, and he's going to put his best foot forward to play for the Red Wings. And he made a statement. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he did make a statement in this rookie tournament with the way, you know, he, he played the game, but the way he was off the ice as well, certainly prepared it for every, for anything that was thrown at him. I asked him if he was t- growing, if he was more than six foot eight, and he <laughs> said no. So maybe I'm shrinking, but he just looks bigger. Is that just physical maturity? I mean, I think the one thing that's interesting, you see these guys at 18, and then when you see them at 20, 21, they don't even look like the same person. Right. No, I, listen, I – I stood next to him on the ice in practice, and I was staring up, and I'm like, gee, this guy is a monster. But he is. He's, he's physically maturing. He's certainly uh, added probably some more muscle. Um, and, and that's just that's the next step in, in some of these guys, that physical maturity, the mental maturity. Um, you know, I, I liked everything I saw about him, and, and you know, it's only going to help him. It's only going to help him be able to protect pucks, use his length, even a little bit more than what he does. And when he starts to do that, you know, he's going to be a real good NHL player. You know, you did something with Elmer, which was really interesting. You put him on the penalty kill. And Kevin Allen, great friend of mine, Hockey Hall of Fame writer, uh, asked you about this. You put him on the penalty kill and asked you why. And Elmer had never really done that too much, too. But he seemed to embrace it. And there was a reasoning behind it. And I guess, you know, instead of me just like – saying everything here and interviewing myself dan what what was the uh uh what was the reasoning to, to put him there well i think just to grow his game even more and get him to learn more about different aspects of the game you know penalty killers they have to be smart i feel they have to have great stick detail i think you'd be able to think the game the right way and elmer does all that so why not try him here at this prospect tournament He's got great length. He's got, like you said before, he's got great hand-eye coordination. He knocked down a ton of pucks. Uh, even five-on-five five he was doing that. So, um, to me, it was, it was natural. Like, let's get him learning something new right here because, you know, you never know. You, you have to find a role to be an NHL player. You have to find a role to stick with the big club. And if it's not on a power play, if it's not five-on-five, well, maybe Elmer can kill, and maybe that's something he can uh, grow into. And so I like the way he, he, he killed during the, the tournament. I thought he learned that Brian Lashoff did a great job uh, with the penalty kill in terms of teaching these guys what's going to happen, what it's going to look like. Um, so just another thing that he can lean back on, another experience he can lean back on heading to main camp. Would, uh, if he does spend time in Grand Rapids this year, will, you, will he be a penalty killer? It's a great question. I mean, obviously, once we get our roster, that will be determined. But uh, like I said, guys have to find roles on the team. You know, I, I don't – I'm not a big believer in, in our top guys have to be PP, five-on-five, five, penalty kill. It wears them down, especially with the, the schedule we have. And so you have to find guys who can, can provide a role. And whether that's penalty kill, whether it's power play, whether it's just five-on-five, five, Elmer's going to be – if he's in Grand Rapids, he's going to be leaned on heavily – for some big, big minutes, and uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be very happy to have them uh, on our team. Selfishly, because I want these guys to be with the Red Wings as well. But selfishly, he'd be a great player for us. Well, we'll get into some of the what this team is going to look like because uh, there's only so many spots on the Red Wings roster, and so chances are. 
Grand Rapids is going to be filled with really high-end prospects, and you know, and I, and it's going to be uh, uh, a challenge to those young men, and obviously a challenge to the coaching staff because, um, as you have told me, Toledo and Grand Rapids, and every league that isn't the NHL is still pretty much a developmental league. It is. We have to make sure that our main focus is to get these players ready for Detroit. We also want to win. So you have to make sure that you do that the right way. And, and we're going to make sure that these guys get all the skill development, uh, all the mental training that it's going to take for them to get to and stick in the NHL. That's our, that's our primary focus. So um, I'm excited about the potential roster, what that looks like, the young kids we're going to have, uh, and be able to see them from day one to Christmas, to the end of the year, and, and all those parts in between, the growth that they're going to make during the year. And I think that's what excites myself about this job is it's a big job. You know, there's going to be a lot of really good hockey players in Grand Rapids who in two, three years, whatever that looks like for their development path, could hopefully be helping Detroit get back to and, and be relevant in the playoffs. Uh, Dan, before we ask you about Grand Rapids and specifically some of the, the kids that you may have, I'm going to go through not the entire prospect roster, just get your impressions yep. on them. And, you know, first I have to ask you about them. Uh, you know, I, sorry, Dan Clary, but I'm always going to call him the doctor. But that uh, <laughs> is Sebastian Cosa. Okay, by his own admission, not a great, uh, not a great camp. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, he was only 0-1 because of the way the goaltenders were used. Uh, gave up 20 goals. Goals against average was 6.67, and his save percentage was 821. Uh, I have said this, and I told you this last year when I was covering the playoffs in Toledo. For whatever reason, and maybe he puts pressure on himself because he does not lack confidence, nor does he lack talent, he's never really kind of like shown what he can be or what he can do until I saw him in the playoffs against Toledo where he was an entirely, uh, or for Toledo, where he was an entirely different player. You know him well. I, you know, I, I, I happened to run into him yesterday walking one of these tart trails here in, uh, in, in Traverse City. Uh, you know, his head wasn't down, you know. I mean, it wasn't what he wanted, but assess what was going on with Kosa during these games. Well, I think he does put a lot of pressure, and, and good for him on that self-awareness and that self-assessment of, of him coming out saying, I, I wasn't great. You know, that, that's, that's part of it. That's the next step. And I think for him, it's the mental game. And, and you know, I, it's hard for me to see that because I've seen him at his best. I've also seen him when he hasn't been great. But one thing he does, he, he makes sure that everyone knows that he knows he wasn't good. He's going to get better for it. And now the mental side of his game has to get better. And that's the next step. The, the physical maturity, the off-ice maturity, um, you know, the, the highs and lows of a season, he battled through all of that last year. And now the biggest part of being a pro and being consistent on a daily basis is that mental maturity. And that's what he's going to have to work on and develop, uh, you know, right now. And I know he started that process here today, yesterday. There's a plan for it, and he's going to start that journey. So um, for him, yeah, disappointing. There's no doubt about his disappointing weekend for him. But like you said earlier, it's not the end of the world. There, there's going to be several more opportunities for him to show and show what he can do. You know, you're a player's coach. Uh, I mean, every player that you've ever coached, when I ask them about you, they just 
talk about how much. I mean, T.J. Hensick comes out of retirement, and uh, uh, and then after, unfortunately, when the walleye were eliminated by the Idaho Steelheads, who were also swept in the final, which I still can't believe yeah. till this day. I mean, they were they were a really really good team, but uh, I, I, you know, he. He said, I came out of retirement for Dan Watson, and he gave you a ringing endorsement for anybody who was looking for a coach. I mean, that's quite a testament, and, and I'm not surprised by that. But we always hear from a lot of head coaches, when you talk about goaltenders, it's like, oh, man, I stay away from those guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's not my job. But how are you with a goalie? Do you try to... I don't know, coach them so much because you were a defenseman, but I, I mean, you know the game, it's hockey, or are you a little more hands-off with a goalie than you would be a skater? Yeah, definitely hands-off. I have no clue about all these, <laughs> all the things they talk about. What I care is they stop the black puck. But with that said, I think some coaches and teams put the goalies on an island. You know, there's always that. They're quirky, they're this or that, where I try to bring them in, let them feel like they're part of the group. Um, and I think the guys, they play harder and when, they, when, they, when you do that for in front of them. And I think the goalies appreciate it. So I am 100% not a technical guy on, on goalies at all. I mean, I can tell if they're athletic, if they move well, you know, all the general consensus that you see. But um, for me, it's making sure they feel like they are part of the group. Uh, they, it's one of the most, it probably is the most important position on the ice if you're going to have success. So they need the trust of the coach, and the coach needs to trust them as well. You know, I always – it's one of my all-time favorite positions in sports. And the reason is, is because when you look at professional team sports, except if they're pulled, it's the only position where they play the whole game. They're out there, which has to be a mental strain on anybody. They don't have a chance for a break. Right, and if you let one in, everyone's looking at that person. There's right. a spotlight on them the entire game. Um, and so it is, it is a mentally challenging position. It's mentally draining. You can see it after games. They're just, they're spent, uh, because they, they have to remain focused for that entire 60 minutes. And unlike a player, they get back, they get to rest, get on the bench, have a drink of water, talk with their guys. Uh, he's standing in a, in a crease in a blue paint by himself for 60 minutes. And I can only imagine the conversations they have with themselves during that game. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see a goalie mic'd up. I don't know if that's ever been done. I'd love to see a goalie mic'd up, not just the players on the ice, because if he starts asking questions to himself and answering them, those questions, we're in trouble. But I'd love to hear some of those conversations. I would love to see the doctor, Sebastian Kosa, mic'd up, because <laughs> I am pretty sure. I've asked him a couple times when he had some chatter going with the steelhead, what he was saying, and it was classic. It was classic stuff. So, I, so, so, maybe, that, so maybe that can happen. You know, Huso might be able to do it, too. If, if, you know, I know Daniela Bruce is, is producing today. Who knows? If she's lucky enough, maybe we'll give her a mic and she can join us a little bit. But uh, she does not want to. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that that'll be on her agenda now. Mike up the goaltender. Uh, but um, I want to ask you about uh, Jan Bednash or Bednar, as he pronounces it. Although everybody from the Czech Republic, I know Bednash, Bednash, but it's Bednar. In a North American pronunciation, he wants to go by that. You know, Sebastian played almost 85 minutes in, in this tournament. Bednash played 61 minutes. He also obviously did not win a game. Only gave up one goal. His save percentage was 98 or 975, and his goals against was 0.98. Here was a fellow who's had a real checkered career with the Red Wings thus far in this organization. Bednash could be, uh, or Bednar, pardon me, Bednar could be your uh, 
could could be in, in Grand Rapids too. What did you think of his game? Because he's he's come a long way as well. I liked his game, you know, and we were fortunate enough to see him last year. He was able to get to Toledo, practice with us, get in the game, uh, be around what we're about. And, and so for him to come in and, and just be as calm, cool, collected as he was in those games, you know, you didn't see uh, there was no panic in his game. He was very calm. Uh, you know, I like the way he maneuvers around his net. You know, there's not a lot of extra motions or movements. He just stops the puck and gets ready for the next uh, next shot. And I think you see that with his mental game too. You know, that's what he was focused on was making the next save. So maturity uh, beyond his years, his age, and it was good. It was good to see him perform that way because I know there's probably a lot of what is he going to be, uh, you know, as he becomes a professional. We will continue. Cross Hannes, who I thought was great. Uh, I thought he handled it when they were uh, – uh, the, the second game uh, where, where, where the Wings prospects lost to uh, the Columbus prospects, the, a 10-7 game, everyone, well, was that Michigan-Ohio State out there? Uh, but uh, looking at, at that, he spoke. He was the one player who came out and spoke to the media. I told him afterwards. I thought he was great. I thought it was maturity. I thought he was, you, you know, he, he stuck up for his teammates. But I thought, really, wow, what an impressive thing. And he was, you know, you know, like the Texan, I guess he is. He's not shy about anything. But he had a great tournament. I mean, everybody was pretty much a minus on the team. So I, I, I'm not going to look at that stat. But three games played, four goals, two assists, six points except maybe for winning, could he have been any better? No, I mean, I thought he got better throughout the tournament too, from game one all the way through the end of it. And, and Cross is a player who, if things are going well, you're going to see it. He's going to be lively. Uh, he had a leadership role, which is something new for him. But scoring those goals, you know, I thought for him uh, was big for his confidence. You know, and, and I think just having making sure that we're getting him the puck in the right spots, making sure that he knew that his job is to shoot. Uh, he did that and was rewarded for it. So I, I was happy the way uh, that he played in all three games. You know, I mean, sure, he's going to try to make Detroit, but he could be ticketed to uh, as the Griffins. I, I would imagine that, uh, I don't know, based on what I saw, just the way he handled himself in the media in, in a tough loss, he's going to be one of your leaders. He could be. As a young guy, he could certainly become one of those uh, leadership groups. Uh, but for me, I think Cross is still in that development path of, of finding out what he's going to be, how he's going to play, and just finding that consistency for sure. Uh Riley Sawchuk, who is on your roster, I, you know, he he was very impressive too. A little feisty little guy, uh, five point or six points, uh, five assists. Uh, he was actually even, which is pretty good in this tournament for the Red Wing team. No, no offense, Dan. I'm not. Hey, it's not. It's not an taken. indictment on your coaching. Trust me. <laughs> and uh, 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 one goal, so six points. But he looks like a guy that. Uh, I don't know what it is about some of these guys that might be quote unquote undersized because they're, you know, they're my size. Uh, but uh, boy, I really liked his game. Yeah, he's feisty. He's a competitor. I think that's why we kind of moved him up with with Elmer and uh, and Marco there on that top line because he added something different that they weren't. And so I just think you know with Riley, a little bit older, a little bit more mature, um, but he does. He can. He's very versatile. He can has the ability to score goals and produce offense, but he also has that ability to get under the opponent's skin. And so I'm excited to see him and what he can do uh, for us in Grand Rapids. Right, yeah, I, I thought it was really impressive. And I guess he 
did know if he was related to Terry Sawchuk. And then I guess, I don't know if he did 23 and me or whatever, but somehow <laughs> at the end of the tournament, he was. So, uh, and I know T Terry Sawchuk is from Western Canada and then spelling is the same. So you have to think somewhere down the line. Well, that's, that's uh, Ancestry.com, and I, you know, I'm not a sponsor. You know, we're not a sponsor of that here. No, 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 but, no. But uh, we, we do need to dig in and, and see if there are, uh, you know, some trees, some, some family trees growing from that family. <laughs> yeah, we will see. And just uh, if you are going to do that and spit in the tube, do not have one of the fine Labatt Blues beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> because that'll, that'll throw everything off. And before you know it, you're in a 12 steps program. Anyway, let's, uh, let's continue. Uh, Dan, you just, I'm just so loose with you. I can't believe it. I'm trying to be serious, but yeah, I, I just like Dan so much. I respect him. I'm so happy for him. And so I'm, but I'm going to try to maintain some level of dignity here. Uh, let's go to another guy who played very, very well, I thought, and got better as the tournament. Uh, five assists, no goals, but he was also even, and that was Nate Danielson, the number one pick this year. Yeah, I like Nate a lot. Uh, you know, I think he's a 200-foot player, going to be very responsible. I think he's going to try and find a little more offense to his game, which he will, going back to junior. But I, I really do feel um, that the wing's got a good one there. And I know people are saying it might be a safe pick because of the way he plays, but when he adds some more strength, uh, to his physical self, his physical body, he's going to be a real, real good player. Uh, and I think just, again, I, I keep saying it, how responsible he is. He's one of those guys you can throw out there and you know exactly what you're going to get in all situations. So just a trustworthy uh, player. You know, I, all these players that we've mentioned so far, and I always say this, and I think, you know, I think sometimes the Red Wings say, oh, please don't say it again, but I am going to. Uh, I think the number one trait or characteristic that you have to have if you want to be a Detroit Red Wing is high hockey IQ. You know the game, anticipate the game, and can think the game. Perhaps the rest of it, because you're already highly skilled or you wouldn't even be yep. here, but uh, that that is the most important thing. Have you found when you sat in the room and did you say, my gosh, all these guys are like hockey brainiacs? No, it is. And I think, you know, I was a GM in Toledo in terms of building your roster and certain things you look for and Characters, number one, you know, I, I never, if there was anyone with any type of character that weren't going to be on the team, I can already see that. And then it was smarts and skill, you know, and, and, and size and speed were kind of the next, you know, five total things I looked for. And I can already see that here uh, with Red Wings prospects, you know, a lot of really good kids, um, you know, very smart, a lot of skill. And, and I like that. I like that. And those are types of players I love to work with. So um, sitting in there, going through the, via, uh, the video meetings, going through systems, how much they retained, I was impressed by how much they did and, and how much they, they really tried to work within those systems. Uh, we talked a little bit about Elmer, but, you know, obviously the preseason games it will determine where exactly he ends up. It will. I mean, I... I think so. You know, I think uh, main camp's going to be competitive. You know, obviously Detroit signing the free agents and, and having some young guys come up. There w it's going to be competitive camp right from practice number one all the way through until that final exhibition game against Toronto. And I'm, I'm pulling for Elmer. I, I just I really like the way he operates and how he plays and, and how he operates off the ice as well. And so, you know, my hopes are that he can come out and have a great main camp and really show his stuff. 
because of time restrictions, I don't want to think like I'm ignoring anybody on this roster, but we're going to have to jump around a little bit. I just want want, want everyone to know that. Uh, so if, I, if we don't get to your favorite player, uh, send me an email, and the next time we have Dan on, he'll go in-depth about him. And, uh, we can do that. Okay. We can do that. Oh we, oh, we will. You know, we have a budget this year to go to Grand Rapids, so I'm going to be there a lot. Uh, but uh, the, the boss man, Andrew, uh, boss, boss man Kristoff, made sure that Grand Rapids is part of our whole uh, uh, coverage this year, which is good. Um, I wanted to ask you about Amadeus Lombardi. Amadeus, a minus two in this tournament, but uh, three points in three games, a goal and an assist. He looks taller and bigger to me. I remember seeing him the first time, and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to use Hocken Anderson's term and call him a shrimp, but he was a little <laughs> smaller. But he looks like he's filling out nicely. Yeah, he's definitely gained some muscle mass and some weight. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But just his on-ice game, he's got that second gear. He's got that explosive uh, speed through the neutral zone. He hangs onto the puck. That thing's on a string on a stick. It's fun to watch him play, and then he can make plays. I think one thing throughout the tournament, you saw it, um, in the third game, we he also needs to shoot the puck too because right, he right. actually does have a sneaky shot. So that's the next part of his evolution of his game is making sure he does have that shooting mentality because we know we can make the little plays already. Um, but I do think that he did grow. Uh, he did add some some muscle mass to his body, but he didn't lose any speed, and that's going to be the key. Yeah, with the, with the year the Red Wings drafted him, I remember talking to him. He was great in the development camp uh, – uh, where he scored like in the first scrimmage or something, he had a hat trick and all that. But he said he had a lot of assists his first year in, in, in the OHL. He said his second year he wanted to improve on his goal scoring, which he did. He had over 100 points, I think off the top of my head, 106. Uh, that does say something about a player, though, right? When a guy, you can say, I'm going to improve my goal scoring, but when they actually do it, that's pretty – you have to take notice of it. Yeah, I mean, actions speak louder than words. Right. So you can say all you want, but until you actually do it, you know, then you start to trust that person. But Amadeus, he's, you know, he's a great kid. Uh, he just wants information. He wants to get better, even after the tournament. You know, he's like, I want to talk to you. What do I need to work on uh, to, to be part of the Griffins, to be, you know, an integral part of the Griffins? Um, and I give him credit for that. And so I, I do think he's willing to put the work in and, and do whatever is necessary to get better. Uh, let's uh, go to Marco Casper. Marco Feisty, you could tell he was pressing a little bit because he didn't get a goal. He had two assists in three games, uh, uh, fought nine penalty minutes. Uh, this is my assessment, and I told him this, and I think maybe he got a little didn't understand what I was saying. He's feisty. He's not going to back down from anybody. He gets his nose dirty. He goes to the net. I mean, all aspects of his game that you love. However... I think sometimes the opposition wants him to play that way because it, they think they're taking him off the game. So the more he gets involved in the extracurricular activities, the more it takes him away from the talent that he can actually distribute on the ice. But that's got to be a tough thing for any player, but especially one that's still trying to prove himself. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's, he's trying to play with emotion there. I think you saw game two against Columbus. That wasn't the Marco Casper that everyone's – you know, wants to see. They want to see game three Marco Casper where he was still involved physically at the net front in the corners, but he's making plays. He was skating well. You can see the poise and patience he, he has. 
Um, though that's a Marco Casper we need to see. The offense will come. It, it's there. We're going to bring it out of him. There, there's no issue with that. But I think he was pressing at times. I think he was saying he had to be the guy. He wanted to be the guy. Let's right, put it that right, way. Exactly. And I, I just think that he was pressing. He's gripping his stick a little bit too tight, trying to be perfect. When you don't have to be perfect, the game of hockey is not perfect. You have to be comfortable with making mistakes and, and maybe taking away some of that high risk that he had in his game this tournament. Right. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. I wanted to tell him this story. When Mo Sider was up here for, for Prospects Tournament, by far, I, I know you don't keep, like, ice time, but he was playing at least 30 minutes a game, and Chicago had Kirby Doc up here, both really high-end guys, and Mo was always in his face, always in his face. It was pretty apparent that – Kirby Doc forgot about playing about hockey and wanted to get at Mo Sider. I remember talking to Mo about it, and he says, I'm doing my job. That's exactly what I want to do. And, I, and that's why I brought that up with Marco, because it's one thing where, you know, you want to have a reputation, like I can't mess with this guy or he's going to come at me. But if I keep messing with him, all he's going to think about is coming at me. Okay, that's cool. I can handle that. And, you know, and I, I do think that. But that'll come with maturity, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It will. He'll, he'll be able to get focused on the right things, not get distracted with things like that. So he's got to be able to learn how to play hard, but still play his game while playing hard. And, you know, we talked about it in between periods of time, just playing with emotion, but not emotional. Because when you start playing emotional, that's when you do start to get off your game. You start to think about other things, get distracted. But if you're playing with emotion, you're still playing within your game, what you do well, and also competing. Uh, another forward who, who was intriguing, scored a lot of goals in, in the Quebec League, and nothing against Quebec League, but to me that's always been a run-and-gun league. I mean, you should put up some pretty good numbers in that league. Uh, and that's why I think for a time there they were producing a lot of good goaltenders because those guys were seeing rubber like every two seconds. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, with that said, a guy that I liked, I, you, know, you can see it in them, is Alexander Doucette, uh, two points, a goal, and an assist. Uh, Intriguing player. I mean, you know, this might be a guy that might be, quote-unquote, a bit of a late bloomer. Yeah, and I think this turn was an eye-opener for him, too, how good uh, the talent is, you know. And, and again, you, you, you become one of those older guys in those junior leagues. Um, you're allowed to do a little bit more. You're going to get the power play time and, and the five-on-five five time, and you can expose young players. Well, now it's a level playing field, and I really think that Alexander, he's, he saw that. I think he'll be better off for it. Yeah, he didn't produce the points I think we expected him to in this tournament, but you can see the skill level, the excitement that he'll bring uh, when, he's, when he's on top of his game. All right, let's go to a couple of the defensemen, and uh, at the end I'll ask you anybody else that I haven't mentioned that you would like to, to, to uh, highlight a little bit, Dan. But uh, Ante Tumisto, a uh, guy who was at Denver, then he went back to Finland, and you know, I'm thinking, oh, that's a kiss of death. I mean, you know, he's back now in, in Finland, but he's a right-handed shooting defenseman. He's big, still on the Red Wing radar. I, I, I think many people thought, well, maybe he isn't anymore because he did leave school, Denver, to go back. But he looks like a pretty good player. He, he played well. He did. And uh, I think going back to Finland actually helped his skating. Uh, he's playing in a men's league there, a pro league, and I do think that helped. But for him, I think it's great. You know, everyone talks about the big ice versus the little ice, and there is a transition there. But the way he plays the game, I don't think that transition is going to take very long. He's got a great first pass. Obviously, he can shoot the puck. And now with his, with his length, how big, how tall he is, 
you know, once we get him defending the right way, using his feet the right way, you know, I, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think we just saw a little snippet of it here this weekend of how good he really could be. Right. I, I agree with you because, like I said, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of a red flag when a guy leaves a program, goes back home, and you're thinking, uh-oh, you know, will he ever come back? And, you know, obviously the Red Wings uh, kept their eye on him, and I can see why. It's definitely impressive. Another guy, this is a strange player. I, I was at the Summer Showcase a couple of years ago, and I walk in a little late to the first game, and Team Sweden's out there. And Red Wing fans are coming up to me like, oh, my God, this William Wallander. Oh, my God, he's horrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, man. You know, they're just going on. I go, calm down. Second game, Team Sweden's out there walking again. Red Wing fans coming to me like he's going to win the Norris Trophy. So, I mean, <laughs> I, mean you know, I guess he runs the whole, the, the whole thing. But that's going to happen with a, with, with a player. But Swedish Defenseman of the Year, I mean, he's really come on. He obviously has – great potential and he kind of showed it in this tournament yeah I like the poise he plays with the vision that he has you know he really sees the game well he keeps everything in front of him um, there's going to be a little bit more offense there uh, than what I think people think he has uh, skates well moves well he has all the tools he does now for him it, there might be a little bit more transition in terms of how much time he has with the puck can he make plays quick enough uh, you know does he see the game quick enough which I think he certainly does uh, so there will be that big ice to little ice uh, transition. Um, again, really, really talented player that I think Red Wings fans will see and are going to like here in the near future. Yeah, I, I, I want to bring up Andrew Gibson. I know he's a draft pick, too. Um, you know, he has a mustache. Uh, very noticeable. I, I don't know if I would have one, but uh, it just... <laughs> it was brought up day one. You're not the only person. It was really? brought up day one. It's okay. See, you know, people, I, I, I have a pulse on, 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 on this team. You know, I, I could tell. I, said, I looked at that mustache. I said, whoa, really? Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought maybe it was you guys dared him to put it on or something, one of those fake ones, but uh, it's I wonder real. if he lost a bet in practice. <laughs> yes. guys, are, guys are giving it to him a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Right. I thought Andrew Gibson played pretty well, too, I, and and, uh, you know, minus one, he had, uh, uh, you know, w one assist. But he, he obviously showed something. Yep, no, he did. I think, you know, the first two games, uh, he's paired with Matherin. Then the, the last game, he's actually partnered with Wally. And I thought they did extremely well. You know, again, a guy who's mobile, a guy that's going to be able to move pucks. Uh, there were some young mistakes there, which is it's going to happen, and that's okay. We can live with that. Um, but I liked his compete level. I liked his emotion. Uh, when he's playing, you can tell that he really cares. And that, that's half the battle with these young kids. And then asking questions. You know, he was asking Brian Lashoff, uh, the D coach for the tournament. He was coming back, asking questions to the bench. And, and to me, when guys aren't afraid to ask questions, that's when they're ready right. to learn. They want to learn. And, and so I, I, I'll give him credit for that. Um, well, you brought up Matherin, Tanias yep. Matherin, but also a draft pick. Um, not a high draft pick, but still a draft pick. Uh, you know, actually, when I really think about it, except for turnovers, I thought the D-Core played pretty well as a whole. Yeah, I mean, if we want to talk about the D-Core as a whole right now, Art, we'll get into it. No, no, no. No, one thing as a D-Core, and it's the new era of the NHL pro hockey, have to kill plays. And we didn't do a good enough job for the entire tournament. just getting sticks on pucks, getting in bodies, ending plays we get out of our zone something right. we stressed a lot but our d struggled with it and i that's okay that's something we can build off now we know um and that was our whole decor and and so uh yes 
I didn't mind the way we played at times, but if there's one thing with that, it would have been killing plays in our D zone from our D core uh, predominantly. Well, okay. Well, no, that's fair. Fair enough. That's fair, though. No, that you know, because I thought you, – you, because let's be honest, I mean, guys were turning pucks like all yeah. over the ice. I oh, mean, yeah. it was it was really those uh, are Achilles for sure. Yes, with, without question. So uh, I, I, another player, Connor Panette, um, he fought. I mean, he was a big guy. He was getting in everybody's grill over there, and I'm thinking maybe that's his way of showing what he has because I thought he was kind of impressive from a physical standpoint well he is he was kind of a throwback you know you don't see that type of player uh anymore and he's comfortable with it he knows exactly what his skill set is and he's going to show it and he imposes physical uh type of play on opponents he's tough around the net tough in corners obviously he had the fights there um but yeah just a, a fun guy to watch because it is that throwback style of hockey player that you really don't see too much of anymore you know I don't know, and I've been to virtually every prospects tournament here. That, that, but I don't remember as much physical fighting as there was in this tournament. Is that just the nature of the people trying to prove themselves, or am I wrong? Is there no, guys always wrapping the? Gloves? I think you're right. I think it's just that competitive nature. Everyone's trying to get their name on the map. Everyone's trying to showcase themselves, and what better better way to do it than drop the gloves and everyone gets to watch them, you know, and and. Uh, I, I do think that emotions do run high at times, you know, and some of these guys have played against each other in different leagues and everything. So they're, you know, you don't know the behind the scenes right. potential hatred of, of certain players, but uh, I do think guys are trying to get their name uh, out right. there and what better way to do it than that? Because it's something that's not done very often anymore. Yeah. You know, again, Dan, and I don't mean to put you on the spot. Is there anybody that on this, this right wing roster that you would uh, tournament roster because I, I would assume some of them will be in main camp and some of them unfortunately probably will not be and uh, you know, I don't know if the Red Wings have announced that yet or anything and I want to be delicate because I respect each and every one of these fellas for w what they've accomplished thus far in their young lives as hockey players and, and I wish them nothing but the best in the future but anybody else that, that, that I probably have neglected that you thought hey this uh, this yeah probably uh, Finney yeah, you know, uh, you know what, I, was, I was actually going to bring him and, up. And because the first game, he didn't see too much action. Uh, he was down in centering the fourth line. We, we kept creeping him up that lineup, adding him to special teams on the penalty kill. Uh, he's He's got to get stronger. There's no question. But I like the way he sees the game, thinks the game. He could certainly skate. Uh, he just kept impressing me every time we got him on the ice. And then finally that last game, he was put in a role with some good players. And I thought he did extremely well and handed himself well for a really young guy in this tournament. Yeah, I agree with that. And then let me ask you, and, you know, maybe the real downer besides, I guess, the 0-3 record, which, you know, I'm sure the Red Wings will approve upon next year uh, at the Prospects Tournament. But Carter Mazur goes down. I mean, there is a guy that a lot is counted on. I am an update. I mean, this is still an evaluation process. I mean, physically where he's at. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly an evaluation process. This is on the Red Wings now, you know, take me away from this. The minute, the minute he was hurt, it was, let's get him to the doctors. Let's get him evaluated. Let's see where he's at. 
Um, obviously, now the tournament's over. I won't see him until, you know, the next couple days here. But, uh, you know, hopefully he's going to be okay. And if it is a, an injury, it's something that's not going to keep him out for very long because I know he wants to make an impression on the Red Wing staff. You know, any kind of assessment on his game or what you like about him, even though, unfortunately, this tournament was cut short? Yeah, that puck was on a string. The, every single shift he was out there until he got hurt. Uh, he's a special player. You can see it. And I just think with him maturing in his pro game, I know Newsy had him at World Championships. Like, he is going to be a really good player. And I just, the short amount of time that we got to see him play and the practice as well, uh, he is going to be a really, really good pro and, and a player I think Red Wings fans can be excited about. Uh, and finally, uh, your role now is going to be different as Griffin's coach than it was when you were Toledo's coach, yep. even though you were out on the ice and working with defensemen a lot and all that, because as I keep saying, you're, you, you, you know, you were a defenseman. Um, what will your role be now during training camp, which starts uh, Thursday of this week? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be showing video to the players, uh, presenting some video to some of the, to one of the groups. I'll be on the ice uh, as a head guy for one of the groups. And I'll be joining Derek and his staff for, for another group as, as there's three groups here that are going to take the ice so uh, i'm looking forward to it uh, i'm looking forward to, to seeing the nhl guys the american league guys and, and you can see the tryout guys see if they were able to grow and and take the pace of nhl camp but uh fully involved now and i'm looking forward to, to get my feet wet as as the griffins coach at nhl camp once camp breaks, you go back to Grand Rapids, you'll be inheriting some of these players. You've alluded to it. I think we all know Steve, again, active in the offseason, brings in a lot of veteran talent. I think if you go by, uh, and we wish them the best of luck too, but players that aren't were on the roster last year that aren't on Detroit's roster this year, the players he replaced them with, it looks like this is going to be a, a better team. Uh, statistically, the, the, the fellows that Steve brought in appear to have – had better NHL seasons than, than the guys that exited it. But my point being is this, is that there's a lot of competition. That's what you really want. You want competition. You want tough decisions. Unfortunately, some of these youngsters are going to be coming down to Grand Rapids. I know they're going to be dif dis disappointed and difficult, yet you want the very best team that you can put on. It's imperative that they make the playoffs. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Dan. How difficult will that be when you know you're going to inherit maybe some guys who are not that happy to be there or disappointed? Is that when, you know, you turn into, you know, Dr. Dan Watson, <laughs> psychologist, uh, and that coach? I mean, how do you handle that? Because you are a player's coach. Well, that's part of the culture that we're going to build down there. And, and it's going to be when you're in the Griffin's locker room, you're a Griffin that day. That's who you play for. That's who you care about. And we're going to make sure that these guys understand that. They're a part of it. But they have to play their way out of the league, too. You know, and they have to understand that no matter where they're at, there's eyes always on them, and they have to play their way back up to Detroit. So I really think it's important that we have a healthy culture down there, a positive one. And when guys do get sent down from Detroit, they embrace it, and they get right back to work and, and show that uh, they want to get back up there. All right, Dan, it's always a pleasure. Danielle, do you want to say anything? I, I, we, we've mentioned you a couple times. You sure? Just because you have, you have legions of fans that tune into this podcast. All right. Well, there you go. I got, we did get her to say something. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they, in this advanced system we have here, hopefully that, that picked it up. Uh, Dan, really, though, thank you. You, 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 you. Every time I ask you to be on, you never say no. 
And trust me, a lot of people do. No, no, no. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm the fallback guy now. Right, 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 Someone right, says right, right. no, we're calling Dan Watson. You know what? I, I got to put it. another one out. I got to get Dan Watson on here. You know what, what the hell? I understand you were on a fishing trip to Australia. What'd you catch? You know, but uh, no. Anyway, Dan, best of luck. I, I always look forward to talking to you. And, and I said it earlier, but I really mean it. I'm really, really happy. It's a great opportunity. And you know, just you're you're on your way up, Dan. So when you get that NHL job, don't forget the little people like me and Daniela, all right? I would be surprised if you do, but please don't. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on once again, Art. All right, thank you. That'll do it for this edition of the Red and White Authority. Thanks for tuning in.